Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. Today, I have an outstanding guest for you today. His name is Keith Figlioli. He's a partner at LRV Health Ventures, where they do a lot of venture investments in firms in the healthcare space. Most recently, Keith was Premier's Incorporated Senior Vice President of Healthcare Informatics. In this role, he oversaw the company's enterprise healthcare technology business unit, spanning strategy, sales, marketing, client support, development, delivery, and operations. Most notably, he was able to, as part of the leadership team, help this firm and its members raise $820 million in its IPO. He co-chaired Premier's Member Technology Improvement Committee. Before that, he was able to be part of uh, many different companies, including one that was, was acquired by Allscripts, where he provided many different leadership roles. Bottom line, Keith is a shrewd entrepreneur, mind, a leader at many organizations, and we're super excited to get his perspective here today on the capital side of healthcare. So, Keith, it's a pleasure to have you on. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Now, Keith, anything that I left out there of your intro that you want to fill in the listeners on? No, I think you did it. I think you, <laughs> I think you did it nicely and uh, <laughs> added, added a lot of good detail. So, no, that's a, that's appropriately. The only other thing I've I have done in the past is, is done a little bit of regulatory work uh, with the federal government as part of the ONC HIT Standards Committee, which uh, was important work back then and, and continues to be. Very cool. Very cool. You know, healthcare is, is one of those industries that is just tough to navigate. So folks with the experience that Keith has, I think you're going to get some really great insights today. Keith, tell us a little bit about why you decided to join the medical sector to begin with. Probably go way back, which is, I don't tell the story much, but I was an economics major in undergrad, but ironically, I had a minor in neuroscience. And don't tell me how oh, I right. got there, but <laughs> I got there about halfway through my college career and I quickly realized, I'm like, wait a minute, maybe I just don't want to do business. Maybe I want to get into more of a deeper science kind of healthcare background. And so it actually started way back then and, you know, I came out of school, like everybody came out of school. I came out of undergrad in 93. So I kind of lucky part of my background is I came up with kind of the internet and then bounced around a bit with some consulting uh, work in a variety of industries and quickly kind of found my way back into healthcare. And that was always my focus and kind of married the best of kind of business 
the growing of the internet and technology and healthcare. And that's sort of how I got my start and, and more importantly, spent the last almost 20 years purely focused in the, in the medical sector. That's awesome, man. So it's really been at the root of your interest and fast forwarded. I mean, the time flies, doesn't it? It's crazy. It, 20 years already? It is a little nuts. Yes. So I, just, <laughs> I just actually had my 25th year college reunion. So yes, I'm, I'm dating myself here. <laughs> hey man, that's experience. That's experience for you. And it counts in healthcare for sure. Now talk to us, Keith, what do you think a hot topic that needs to be on healthcare leaders' minds today? And how are you guys approaching it at LRV? Yeah. So let me talk, maybe start with a little bit about LRV Health and it plays right into that. So, and maybe I'll even start at my time at Premier. So Premier, which a lot of people don't understand, is actually almost like an association back in the day where it had 188 different health system owners as the actual equity owners of that. And we took a lot of the concepts from there and LRV Health has been investing with strategic investors, meaning healthcare payers and providers for 17 years. And we kind of put that on steroids with our, our latest fund. And so at the core of our strategic investors, meaning our limited partners, as well as our partners, are currently 10 health systems and payers that deliver care across 23 different states uh, and deliver care to about 45 million lives. And so at the top of, can't tell you how many people we have talked to between my premier time and obviously my time at LRV Health, you know, we're constantly with healthcare administrators and, and leaderships of payers. And there's sort of two major focus areas for focus right now if you break it down at a demographic level. Most people talk about the baby boomer generation and what's happening as that age group ages and gets mm -hmm. more chronically complex from a medical sort of use pattern. And so there's a lot of people within the system trying to figure out how do you service that group as they go from commercial plans down into lower reimbursement plans like Medicare, Medicaid, and MA plans. How do you serve them? as their utilization of the system goes up, but at a lower cost rate. So there's yes. a ton of emphasis on cost right now. And so we talk a lot about that with folks. The thing that people don't realize is the age group that actually just eclipsed the baby boomers is the millennial generation. And that millennial generation now is bigger than the baby boomers. And they want a completely different service offering from the healthcare system. They want self-service. They want all the different things they expect from their mobile phone and yes. access and all that point. So People talk about those independently. We actually talk about those together. Nice. How do you find opportunities that while you can take down costs, but then you can deliver a new care experience to a different age group that's coming into the system now. It's also starting to utilize the system. So both of those intersecting circles, if you will, are sort of what we call our North Star. And we think is top of mind for pretty much every leader across the healthcare sector. Very cool, Keith. And, and definitely a, a great point, right? I mean, we're dealing with two very different consumers. And I think with the approach that you guys are taking, given that it's driven by investors that are the provider payer space, it's a really kind of a frontline approach, which is very differentiated, I would say. I mean, that, that's a huge advantage that you guys have. Yeah, I think, I mean, for us, this is as much about being good investors and providing a, a solid return for our investors, but it's really about operational intent. Can we partner with our healthcare systems and our healthcare payer leaders to really drive different operational changes for them? And then also obviously get some kind of return back for them, given that it's a venture capital platform. But, you know, all of us, myself and our other partners at LRV Health, you know, collectively, we have about 70 plus years of operating experience in the healthcare space. Nice. And so we bring a whole different lens to this problem, if you will, rather than just a pure financing lens. No, that's really neat. Now, there's a lot of companies in your portfolio, Keith. Maybe you could walk us through one and sort of a success story, something that you guys have done differently that's yielded results. 
So I, I guess I talk about one which is called IntelliCare. Uh, it's an investment that we made in our last fund uh, when I first came into LRV Health about two years ago. And uh, I had a pretty big service line when I was at Premier around healthcare labor. We did a ton okay. of stuff around uh, labor productivity as well as labor benchmarking. And the thing that was interesting there is that I don't know how much you guys follow the trends, but healthcare labor has outpaced every other labor class in any other industry through the recession. And so there's a, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity that sits around labor. So we, we spent some time in that market and found a company called IntelliCare, which is all around basically to oversimplifying it, Uberfying hmm. the entire per diem or the by hour Interesting. workforce in post-acute. So in skilled nursing, in assisted living type facilities, there's an average 50 to 75% turnover in most of these facilities. There's about 2,200 regional staffing firms around this country. And the largest staffing firm has about a 7% market share. So this is a industry ripe for disruption. It's all phone calls, emails, analog, takes forever for people to sort of find people. And these guys have actually built a technology enabled with a lot of predictive capabilities to understand what the temporary market looks like in each one of the geographic regions that they play in. Today, they play in four states. They're going to about six in the next couple of months. And they have a, you know, a national footprint goal to sort of really think through a different way to deliver high quality and safe caregivers, meaning nurses and caregivers to these facilities that really have a hard time finding the right type of people in their market. So almost think of it as a matching principle in each one of these markets where there's a ton of people that have flex resources and have flex needs, but they don't know how to match up with the ideal type of facilities. These guys enable that all through technology. I think that's brilliant. And in this post-acute space, with such high turnover, I mean, it's definitely a great platform. What are some of the things that they've been able to achieve as far as numbers and not necessarily revenue, but just kind of outcomes and stuff like that? Yeah, so, so the average, just a couple ones. So the average time it takes to have somebody find the caregiver at some of these facilities is typically a week to two weeks. So if somebody has a shift that goes unfilled, they need to go out to the market and they typically use five to six different what is called staffing agencies today. Nice. And it takes them about at least a week to two weeks to do that. These guys are doing it in 30 minutes. With a push of a That's button, amazing. a ping goes out to 3,000 nurse network, you know, in each one of the geographic markets, and you can quickly sort of find the right type of resource. And it sits right there next to the actual scheduler and the person that actually runs these facilities. So that's a big deal. Secondly, most of these folks get about a 60% efficacy of being able to fill a shift. And IntelliCare is doing it at 90% rate. So it just changes the dynamic. It's classic use of, you know, technology disruption, where it's still a tech-enabled services business, but it's using technology in a smart way to disrupt what is a very big business. I mean, this is a $4 billion market that people don't really even know about. So they've had some great success and it's, it's still very early, but great success. That's great. And now folks, if you're a provider, a leader at a provider institution, take a look at IntelliCare. Um, this is a fantastic solution for your post-acute areas. IntelliCare, so it's E-I-N-T-E-L-Y-Care.com. Take a look at that uh, really great resource shared by Keith today. Now, Keith, talk to us about a time when things didn't go so well, a setback that you had or one of your companies had. What lessons did you guys learn from that? Yeah, I think it's an early lesson more from my operating days. And I think okay. when I first got into healthcare, I came from a general technology background where we had helped build a company that worked with most of the Fortune 50 businesses around this country and world, which places like Philip Morris, places like Procter & Gamble. And I think my use pattern or my thought pattern coming into healthcare, like I think a lot of people when they first come in, and I think a lot of people are experiencing this now because we have a lot of newcomers in the space, 
you don't fundamentally understand the social system and how things really work. And I can remember building technologies early on during my days at Eclipsis, which is now part of all scripts, where we thought was like the cat's meow. We used the latest technology, we rebuilt like a clinical documentation module, and literally people threw up all over it. And <laughs> it wasn't at all their use pattern. We spent year, you know, probably a year, year and a half doing that work. And so I think you learned very quickly. That's a very specific example where I learned very quickly that if you don't fundamentally understand the workflow, the social system, what actually goes on day in, day out. And I think that's what we have in a lot of areas of healthcare technology today, where we have a lot of great technologists building a lot of great infrastructure, but they haven't thought through the use case and the social demographic side of the equation as, as best they can, frankly. And you know, you can look at that even in the broader EHR space today. There's there's a reason why there's so much angst in that space today is because you know those systems were basically built for billing. They weren't built for care workflow and things to that degree. Yeah, that's a great share, Keith. And one that that listeners go back, rewind, re-listen to it. It's the purpose of the podcast model for you to be able to access these notes when you need them. Keith, what would you say one of your proudest leadership moments in healthcare has been to date? Yeah, so I, it's interesting. When we were at Premier early on, this was 09 into 2010, uh, you know, the ACO movement, the value-based care movement took place under uh, Obama. And what was so interesting for me was working with 70 different markets and 70 different healthcare leaders to sort of figure out what an ACO was and what value-based care was. Nobody even knew what this was. So we used to get all these people in a room in DC and things like that and get hundreds of people huddled around at the healthcare provider landscape. And the first question was always like, what is this? So I think that was a pretty proud moment to be part of that leadership team to try to drive to an understanding of what value-based care is. And that's still obviously morphing today, but being really on the front lines on something that was completely unknown. It had been tried historically, including in the state that I live in, Massachusetts, many, many years, but at a scale level of what they were thinking about and specifically what CMMI was thinking about at the time. You know, we had partnered with Dr. Rick Gilfillan, who now is uh, heads up Trinity out of Michigan. And it was just a fascinating time. And it's a proud time because, you know, we didn't have all the answers. We didn't figure everything out, but being able to work and what has stuck with me forever and big part of why I love what we've done at LRV Health is this idea of working hip to hip with healthcare leaders, the people who are delivering the actual care day in, day out on these complex problems because, you know, there's shockwaves that happen in the healthcare industry literally every couple of years. And most people don't really understand what their shockwave is. You know, MIPS is a perfect example right now where, you know, people don't even understand what that really is, but they're having to deal with it. And more importantly, the reimbursement is tied to it. No, that's a really great call out. And, and it's tough to navigate these waters. And maybe we could dive a little bit deeper into that experience, Keith. What is it that helped you guys navigate this definition and trying to figure out and land on, on an idea? Because oftentimes I feel like as a group, you could land on, on a decision of what something means, but it really doesn't mean that. How did you guys vet that out and how'd you land where you landed? Yeah, I think the, the vetting for us and the, and the nice part about the Premier platform at the time is just access. I mean, I think yeah. you know, we, we by design have a tagline at LRV Health, which is called Inside Healthcare. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we use Inside Healthcare okay. is it's very deliberate, meaning you need to be inside the game and really understand the game and have the right type of people around your platform to truly understand and solve these problems. Mm-hmm. Because these are not simple, high-level issues. These are very complex. You know, there's reimbursement issues, 
there's regulatory issues. There's all these issues in healthcare that people, in my opinion, a lot of times, I'm going to say gloss over, but they, after they get into it for a while, they're like, oh, wow, this is a lot more complex than I thought. I mean, even take a Trump quote from about a year ago, right? He's like, oh, I never knew healthcare was this complex. <laughs> and as soon as you get into it, you quickly realize that. So I think for us, what, what solved a lot of our issues during the ACO and the value-based care ramp up back in those days was having people like Dr. Rick Gilfone, which went, you know, was a, a consultant for us, but then he went and led CMMI under in CMS. You know, having those type of people front and center with you is you know, second to none to, to do that. And, you know, we take the same approach to every help. When we invest and when we think about problems, you know, we're getting the best minds and the people that have lived this for decades. We have advisors that have been in the healthcare space for f- almost 50 years. And so, you know, their entire careers have been spent on this stuff. And that's, in my opinion, the key to these problems. Love that. That's a great way uh, to approach it. And so now you're, you're here today, Keith, you're working on so many great things, a great portfolio of companies. What's an exciting project? If you have to point to one thing that you're, you and your team are working on today that you want to tell us a bit more about? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's talked about a lot and I give Oliver Wyman a lot of credit for this terminology I'm about to use, but we're spending a lot of time around sort of what we call the, and they call, and I, I've used it as well, which is the digital front door to healthcare. And so, you know, when you start thinking about what's really happening back to this idea of delivering sort of the front end of access, and when you think about healthcare access and how hard it is, when you think about navigation, when you think about sort of even rev cycle from a patient standpoint, it's all very opaque. And so we've spent a lot of time over the last six months or so, and we'll continue to spend a lot of time and then ultimately invest in a few of these type of companies that are helping people think through a different way to navigate sort of the front door to healthcare. And they run the gamut. They can be things that look like health savings account type applications. They can be the front door of a physician practice and how that actually extends out to a mobile application and then connects back into the system. It could be scheduling. There's all different things that this could shape on. You know, during our annual meeting this past April, we had brought in, uh, you know, an executive from an employer two executives from health systems, an executive from a payer. And then we brought in uh, the woman that leads this area for Oliver Wyman and purposely sort of had this open discussion, which was a very kind of (laughs) interesting discussion with all those type of characters. Yeah. Uh, And a very hot topic around this, like who's going to own the patient and who's Mm -hmm. going to own this navigating principle. So like typically when a payer calls you on anything that they see that you've accessed the system, most people don't call the payer back. You always call your doctor back. You always call, you know, your practice back. But, you know, who's going to own that ultimately? Is the employer going to own that given what obviously the tools reach an appointment and what JPM is doing and Amazon and Berkshire and, you know, Healthcare Transformation Alliance, you know, the employers are starting to ramp up now because the problem is so big in terms of their cost infrastructure. So this is just a huge problem right now. And it's not something that's simple. It's not something, this again, goes back to the depth of really understanding the problem and finding the use cases that actually are going to matter and more importantly, deliver real outcomes. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting uh, uh, project that you're working on. And I love how you tagged it, the digital front door to healthcare. And if you're listening to this today and you're working on a solution that is a digital front door to healthcare, Keith and his team are, are, are obviously uh, looking at this seriously. So uh, at the bottom of the show notes, you'll find a way to reach LRV and potentially even collaborate with them with your idea. Keith, this has been fun, man. We're getting close to the end here. Let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on the capital side on what it takes to be successful, the 101 of Keith. And so we're going to write out a syllabus. I've got four questions for you, lightning round style, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Sure. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes 
getting capital. You got to show ROI. If you can't show proven ROI, typically the old 10X factor, it's very hard to get capital these days. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Think the technology is going to solve it. Love it. How do you stay relevant despite all the change? I think you have to be a ferocious reader. If you're not a ferocious reader in healthcare, you're pretty dead in the water. Do you do all your reading uh, books or do you do audio? I do pretty much everything you're from welcome. podcast to video to books to, you know, <laughs> from Kindle to the hard copy book, the whole nine yards. Love it, man. You know, one of the things that, uh, so we do a five day a week podcast and um, health leaders are always recommending their best reads. I found an app called Blinkist. I don't know if you've heard of Blinkist. No. But they, they basically give you synopses of the book in audio and in written form. So I vet out my books through Blinkist and it just saves me so much time. Very cool. Yeah. I think they're like 80 bucks a, a month, um, but really cool resource. So listeners, if you haven't checked out Blinkist, check them out. They're a fantastic app and I, I'll put a link on the bottom of the podcast as well. So you could uh, check that out. But last question here, what's one area of focus that should drive everything in a healthcare organization? Understand the social system more than anything else. Dive a little bit deeper into that. What do you mean? So I just mean that at the end of the day, the social system in healthcare drives every decision and drives every workflow. So what I mean by that is, you know, we're constantly painted that we're slow. We're mm -hmm. constantly painted that we adopt technologies five to 10 years later. If you don't understand the pace of adoption and the pace of usage, so I'll give you a perfect example without giving you all the details. I built a technology stack during my premier days that was fairly expensive thought it was absolutely right in the middle of the sweet spot and the social system refused to adopt it. And it's mm -hmm. a no brainer. And it's the whole reason why Amazon's coming into the space right now. And it's no different than what Amazon has. So it just, you really got to understand how people adopt certain new ways of doing things. Got it. Very clear. Very clear. Thanks for clarifying there for us, Keith, and very helpful as well. What would you say a book you recommend to the listeners is in this space? Yeah, a lot of people are, are talking about this book right now, and I hesitate to say it, but I'm going to say it because it is that good. And I would say it's, <laughs> not, it's not one book, it's actually two books. So if you look at uh, Yuval Noah's books, Sapiens and Homo Deus, okay. read them both. And they're big books, but they're quick reads, but they are fascinating. Sapiens is all about the history of mankind. And then Homo Deus is really about his predictions of where mankind is going and the future of our planet. And it opens up your eyes to the reality of what the human race has actually done to society, let alone the planet. And it's really good stuff. Wow. Very cool. Listeners, check those out. You could find all of the resources, links to the books, links to Keith's company, Go to outcomesrocket.health slash LRV. You'll find everything there. Keith, this has been a blast. Before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought with the listeners and then the best place where they could get a hold of you or follow you. Yeah, so I think um, kind of the title of your podcast, Outcomes, just everybody, you know, there's a lot. Of, I just read an article this past week about there, maybe there's too many people in healthcare now trying to solve these problems. I don't believe that. But I think everybody that's focused has to continue to be focused on this is not about making money. I talk a lot about healthcare being sort of capitalism running amok, which is this is about delivering care and bringing society up. It's a reason why I do what I do. I could easily do technology type things and venture capital type things in many other industries. But I decided a long, long time ago that this is what I wanted to do because every day I wake up and I feel good about sort of trying to drive a 
societal benefit. And I think people cannot lose sight of that. And I think a lot of people do when they get into this space because they're sort of chasing what is the latest, greatest trend. I mean, I've been doing this so long that, you know, digital health wasn't even a word 10 years ago. No one, no one in the venture capital community would even invest in a company. I mean, our firm has been doing it for 17 years. We did our first patient engagement investment in 2003. And so it's just a different thought pattern. And then to get a hold of me, you know, the best way is, is, you know, either my Twitter account at Keith Figlioli, or, you know, ping me on LinkedIn, by all means, I typically respond to that pretty well. Outstanding. Keith, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, it's been really insightful diving through some of your thoughts on on the capital markets, but also on, on the social aspects of medicine and things that today's healthcare leaders needs to spend on. So really, really appreciate the time you carved out for us today. No problem. I enjoyed it. And uh, thanks for the opportunity. Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast.